Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry, and what are we talking about? Today, we're going to talk about giving. Oh, click goes everybody. (laughs) 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 Sorry. (laughs) We need to actually have a deceptive title, How to Increase Your Reward. I don't know. <laughs> They're all going to say giving. Eh, it's Christmas time. I'm trying to just <laughs> hedge my. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, giving. Sometimes called tithing. Or as we said. No, no, go. <laughs> okay. just do it. We may crack that joke in a little bit, but. Okay. Sorry, we're both a little punch drunk. Been a long day. We're actually doing this later than normal. And. So buckle up. So, yeah, buckle up, Buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we've had a, a few, some people ask uh, us about how, how to give, what, what's a good philosophy of giving? What does the Bible actually say about giving? What is, what's required of the Christian versus maybe what's permissible, so on and so forth. Uh, furthermore, we've been having uh, quite a few new people come to faith recently. And so we just have been receiving some questions, therefore, on the nature of giving. Uh, how does it work? You know, what's God expecting? Uh, more broadly, how is a Christian just supposed to think about it? Well, that makes sense because a new Christian, he's going, he or she, they're going to think more like paying your dues or, right. you know, getting part of the booster club or something like that. I mean, it's just that's membership, a world that they, yeah, they, they came right. out of that. So, yeah, they have no framework. What's the minimum to get in and stay in? Yeah. Kind of, you know. So how do you belong to the diamond club? <laughs> yeah, get that front row pew, uh, <laughs> or the back row, depending on who, who you are, what right? you see as desirable. Yeah. So, well, beyond that, it's also the time of the holidays right now, right? So, some some people are wondering about charitable organizations versus just giving to the local church. Is that sufficient? Should they give above and beyond that or not? You know, there, there seems to be a lot of need out there. So, how do I figure out what to give to? if anything at all. We've also been teaching our new members class where Christians, um, where Christian giving essentially is discussed. And so a lot of good, honest questions have been asked and coming out of that. And so one of the commitments that you make when you become a member at our church is that you commit to faithfully give to the work of the Lord through our church. And so the natural and good question out of that is what does that mean? And what does that actually look like? And so in light of that, what we thought we would do is just commit a short episode to Christian giving. And so our plan here is just to, I mean, we're not really even developing a theology, but for lack of a better phrase, develop a quick theology uh, for you and then just give some practical suggestions. Right, right. And um, yeah, so a basic theology of Christian giving. Uh, first of all, the tithe, or as we were joking, the tithe, and really screw with people. It's like, that's how you say no, it? No, the tithe. The or tithe, if you want to sound Greek sounding, yes. Present imperative. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, well, we shouldn't do this at later times. Anyhow, so the tithe. 
First of all, uh, you often hear the idea of tithing in churches uh, and certain Christian circles. The idea, though, of tithing is actually an Old Testament concept. That uh, It's amazing how many people really don't know that. It uh, literally means a tenth in Hebrew. So in like Leviticus 27, God's instructing the nation of Israel through Moses on the issue of offerings. And in verse 30, he says, Thus all the tithe, or a tenth of the land, of the seed of the land, or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. That seed of the land, that gets into even the Pharisees tithing their mint, dill, cumin, and, and all. And Jesus commends them for it. Yeah, uh, but then rebukes them because they <laughs> right. missed a point. Um, You'll see it in other places like in Deuteronomy 14, um, and that will be in the show notes. Yeah. Furthermore, uh, Proverbs 3, 9 uh, states, uh, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first, and that's the key part, the first of all your produce. Uh, produce. So there was also the requirement to make certain that you gave to the Lord from the first of your fruits. Um, the idea, he, idea here was offering the Lord your best. Um, you were not to take care of all your needs first and then give to the Lord from what you had left over. And, and this is actually a, an excellent point. Um, it's an act of faith. Right. Because you were to give the Lord from the first of your harvest— well, there's no guarantee a hailstorm's not coming. It'll wipe you out, right? <laughs> yeah. And and so what he's basically saying is you trust me to provide the harvest and I'll take care of that. But you do that the way you do it is by giving me the first of your harvest. And 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 you can only do that if you have faith. Um, I, just getting into Christian giving, that principle uh, comes to bear. How often people will, I got to pay all my bills and everything else and then if I got some leftover, I can give some to the Lord, maybe. Um, right. So Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. And then in verse 10, we have the key because it then gives the purpose. So that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I'm, I also think it's important to note there that that's an old covenant concept too, because he promised if you honor me, and obey me, I will bless you. And if you disobey, I will not bless you. I will curse you. So and that's built into that idea. Um, so the idea of tithing really didn't have anything to do with God needing money or offerings or uh, of the fruit of a person's harvest. He's God. He needs nothing. The concept was really to teach the nation faith, uh, but faith in the God who supplies. And so they were to trust that God would always be faithful to his promise to provide. And so the way that they demonstrated their faith in a tangible way was by being obedient to give a tenth from all that they had. And again, that tenth was required to come from the first or best of their harvest. Now, that's a basic concept of tithing. It simply means a tenth. However, I will add this. Israel was not required to only give a tenth. Right. They actually, if you look at all of the various things that God commanded through Moses in the law that they were required to give, it came out to be about 34% of their wealth came to the Lord in various ways. And these were not optional. These you had to. Right. And what blows people away is then on top of that, he expected you to give free will offering. <laughs> that, okay, I've given all the mandatory. Now, out of my love for the Lord, I'll give even more. Right. So I remember when I... I explain that to our church when I first came here. I mean, we were getting some, we had some offerings like 
$200 in a week. And you're like, oh, come on. Uh, I, I actually didn't have a paycheck. Uh, one week I had to go with no paycheck because there's just no money. And I remember our bank account, we'd get down to the pennies every once in a while. And um, when I told them that, you know, they're all like, because they were very proud that they tithed. Um, but then I explained really the reality of all of that. And I said, so I look forward to this increase in our offerings. <laughs> and I got a lot of stony looks back then. <laughs> but um, it's still true. It's not, even the tie 10% is not the minimum. In Israel, it was about 34%, 33, 34. So the, but the idea of the tithe was commanded to Israel alone. It's in the Mosaic law. And so we would argue that it's actually not something commanded to the church. Right. And so some churches will teach that Christians are required to give 10% based off of that Old Testament principle, but you will find it nowhere commanded in the new. Um, so what's required of the church? Well, there's many passages that we could look at. Uh, we won't, but we, we could look at several. But first, we would argue it's important to keep in mind that the idea of the tithe is not present in the New Testament. So 10% is not something Christians, and here's a key word, must give. Right. Rather, the Bible gives principles, and these principles should control our giving. Before we get into it, we're going to recommend an excellent resource by Randy Alcorn. If you want to do intensive reading, it's called Money, Possessions, and Eternity. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal. book. Yeah. Phenomenal. And what's great is it's not designed to be read through. It, it's really a resource. So yeah. in your early days, you got nothing, um, at least American level, nothing. Um, and so there's chapters you can read there on just learning the discipline of giving. But then you start making money, investments, things like that. And, and he gives incredibly sound biblical counsel on how to handle wealth and, and retirement and all of that. Also, he gets into nonprofits and, and all these people vying for money. So Guys, you should buy it. Money, Possessions, and Eternity by Randy Alcorn, and then commit yourself to read it. However, if you say, ah, I don't got time for that, then he wrote a little book that you can read in one or two sittings. Honestly, it's a great bathroom book. We won't get into the theology of bathroom books, but I have one. I have that <laughs> theology. Um, but it's a great one because it's tiny, and, and yet he really does a great job on it, and it's called The Treasure Principle. Um, buy it. Buy it. It's a must it. read. Yeah, must read. yeah. That uh, we would just simply say that's a non-negotiable. If you haven't read that, read it. Um, these are real incredible resources, and we cannot speak highly enough of them. In fact, some of the following principles that we're going to make will be from his book. Yeah. So <clears throat> let's talk then a little bit about the some principles of giving. So the first one we would say is God already owns everything. In, we might just say that in theory. Yeah, we know that, but yeah, truly, duh, you know. <laughs> but if you if you believe that and understand that, it's really going to control and begin to drive your decision making. Psalm twenty four and verse one: The Lord is the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Haggai chapter two verse eight: The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. How did you say that? Haggai. I say I say Haggai. Haggai. You're probably right, actually, Haggai. that dipped on there. Yeah, but yeah, I, th I think it is I. Yeah, but I think you're Haggai. right, actually. Yeah, no, that one I'll give to you. Go ahead, and we would love to hear from you how you pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're begging for a comment, please. <laughs> uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So the point here is that it, you know, it's important to keep in mind that God does not need our money and gifts. We'll just reiterate that again. Nor does he need our 
talents or time or skills for that matter. Much like in the days of Israel, God didn't need Israel's offerings. Uh, he already owns everything. He is not at all dependent on us. And it's such an important principle to keep in mind because right away it helps us understand that giving is actually more about us than it is about God, which is something we're going to develop yeah. here. In fact, we'll make it an explicit point near the end. But one thing, I, I always use the Deuteronomy 8.18 passage too, because you get the start getting people getting a little cocky about their income, right? I mean, they're a hard worker and they're, com- I mean, we got a couple corporations here near us where they just like throw money at their employees. <laughs> it's like, you showed up on time. Here, take another $20,000 bonus. Um and it's crazy, but you can start getting cocky thinking, look at me, look at me, look at me. And, and instead of being humbled, that it's God who gives us that ability to make wealth. So right, um, again, it just turns into a point of thanksgiving that, thank you, I, I, God, you're faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next principle, principle number two would be that God supplies your wealth, which is what that 818 was saying. So in Matthew 6, 31 to 33, he says, and this is a command, do not be anxious then saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things, the Gentiles, meaning an unbeliever, unbeliever. Uh, eagerly seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But instead he says, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Or in 2 Corinthians 9.10, now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So now it's not the harvest of your income, but the harvest of your righteousness. Now, there's others that we could point to, but if God owns everything, he's also the one who enriches us. So the only reason we have anything, again, money, time, skills, um, or anything else you might consider as a commodity, uh, we have because God supplies it from his sovereign grace. And this is so key because once we forget that God is the supplier of anything we have, we quickly begin to negotiate when it comes to giving. That is such a good line. Um, Yeah, we start debating and negotiating with God with what we should be giving when, in fact, he's the one that gave it to us, expecting us to give it back in a sense Mm -hmm. and show an honor. So if God owns everything, supplies us all that we have from his good pleasure, the principle to understand is that all of us are essentially his money managers. And that gets picked up in Matthew 25 with that parable of the uh, talents. Uh, You can read that, Matthew 25. The idea is that God does not give, but rather he entrusts. Uh, that's a tweetable uh, statement. Uh, he, it, yeah, Matt Miller wrote this, so I'm just admiring his work. Um, it's, oh yeah, you got your reward now. Um, <laughs> yeah, geez, it's, it, but it's God's money. We need to be faithful stewards of it. So the question is, how are we stewarding his money? Do we view our money as something simply to be spent on us, or is it something with which we have been entrusted with to faithfully steward for the purpose of the kingdom? This is a critical shift in perspective that a Christian ought to have, and it's one that once you once it goes beyond theology and it actually clicks, it radically affects you. Yeah, 100%. Uh, next principle we would say is get an eternal perspective. Uh, here the idea is that anything you keep is actually what you will lose, and anything that you give in reality is what you will keep. 
Now, where do we get that from? Uh, well, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. And this is a key passage on this whole topic. Um, again, he writes, do not lay up for yourselves. So these are commands. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So here, Jesus is giving a command and it's one though that's motivated by eternity. Uh, you see here also that, that classic put off, put on in this passage. Yeah. So notice first the negative command, do not lay up our treasures on earth. And then the positive command, lay up our treasures where? In heaven. So in order to obey that second one of laying up your treasures in heaven, it requires that you must first be obedient not to lay up your treasures here on earth. It's an either or, not a both and. Impossible. Yeah. And he's going to go on and explicitly make that point that you cannot Brutally serve so. <laughs> both God and money. Right. Uh, you cannot serve two masters. Um, again, this has everything to do with perspective uh, and where you desire to have your reward. And that's his point. So in verse 21, he says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's revealing something. So if you're laying up treasures on earth, it is the sign or a sign that your heart is there as well. Uh, in other words, while many use the passage to speak about giving, it's actually a passage speaking about salvation. It's revealing the state of your heart, um, which is something that we're going to talk on a little bit later. But the underlying principle there for giving is, is clear enough. Now, there's a key word that many miss when reading this passage. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So the key word is yourself. Um, and that is vital to understand. In other words, the motivation that Jesus is given here when it comes to money and or you could throw in possessions and eternity is actually your own eternal reward. Yeah. Uh, so notice to keep everything, but for the purpose of spending on yourself, that's possible to do. You can do that. But the key to understand is that you're simply storing it up for yourself here on earth. And you'll lose it. Exactly. But if you want to be rich in heaven and have a great reward for all of eternity, then you would do well to be faithful to that command to store up your treasure in heaven. And by the way, people can feel guilty giving money away if it's only motivated by a heavenly reward, as if that's wrong. Um, but that is the very mindset from which Jesus is giving this command. He is saying, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In fact, I had a daughter come to me after I taught through this passage, and she, she looked bothered. <laughs> And, and it was her way, though. It could, you could tell she was thinking. And she's like, Dad, can I, can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure. And she's like, Ugh. and you could tell. She's like, I don't want to get yelled at here. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, so is it wrong for me to want to give more to the Lord so that I get more in heaven? I'm like, no, that's the point <laughs> of the text. And she's like, oh, good, oh, good. <laughs> but it is. It's that real honest struggle that somehow that's wrong. Um, it's like, no, he's literally trying to motivate you. It's like, you're literally not losing anything. If you give it away, you're gaining it. But if you keep it because you're afraid of losing it, you lose you it. Lose it. Um, it, it, it's just so counter. I like that someday I'll try to write a book. I still don't think anybody would buy one, but, uh, uh, on the, uh, the contradictions of the Christian life, you know, just. We're, 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 if you're going to live, you must die to yourself, right? You want to gain rich reward in heaven, you must give it away here. Um, so in, 
Well, there's another passage you're supposed yeah, to Yeah, uh, so, so Paul picks this up. He builds up on the, uh, off on this a little bit, and he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 6 or 11, he says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Real, real quick, notice again how absolute, it's not may, it's shall. Shall, yeah. yeah it's going to happen. So, so then he says in verse seven, let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart. That's key. Not grudgingly or under compulsion. Why? For God loves a cheerful giver. So that there defines how we're supposed to give. If you're begrudgingly wanting to give, just keep your money. It's, you're you're going to lose it. Yeah. Um, even though you're giving it away for kingdom purposes, right. if it's not joy there, you'll still lose it. And God is able to make all grace abound to you that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have abundance for every good deed. Meaning, he'll give you enough for you to be able to accomplish what you need to do that's a good deed. Yeah, and every good deed. Yeah, but but, but people say, well, if I don't have that, then how am I going to get my kids through college? Or how am I going to be able to take care of maybe an unknown hospital bill that may come? The Lord will take care of that. He knows what you need. Yeah, again, faith. Um, Verse 9, as it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness abides forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increasing the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in everything. And here's the key for all liberality, meaning generosity, yeah, which good. through us is producing thanksgiving to God. So and that's not us telling you. <laughs> just read the Bible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> uh, so here's <laughs> Click. <laughs> Fast uh, forward. Off. Yeah. So, so again, here the principle is clear. God enriches us, but the question is why? Well, for the purpose of generosity. So the question we should be asking is, how are we using our money and our time and our skill for the purposes of the kingdom? In fact, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 17, that very fascinating verse, he says, not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. Uh, very interesting. In the context, Paul is talking about a gift of money that the Philippian church had given to him when he was in great need. And here he speaks about their generosity and what that generosity actually was producing, though, for them in terms of their heavenly reward. And so the, the clear idea then is that even Paul understood that God is keeping a divine account in heaven for every gift that is deposited in that account, so yeah. to speak. Well, and and I don't know, are our video teaching on Philippians available? Yeah, it's on our YouTube account. Oh, they had, uh, if they go to the Missio Day Fellowship YouTube account, then they could see us actually deal with that section because we pointed out Paul had a need. It's not like he's pretending he mm-hmm. didn't have a need, and he also is not pretending that he appreciated it. <laughs> he, he needed it. Yeah. <laughs> he's in prison. Um, but he also understands, look, God supplies my need because he promised, and he did it through you, but actually— the greater blessing was upon you who gave rather than me who received it. Right. And that, again, just doesn't click with us. Yeah, it's hard. Um, <clears throat> so again, you, you're only going to keep what you give, and you're going to lose what you keep. It's that simple. Um, it's just simply a matter of where you want your reward. Do you want it here now, or do you want it in heaven? Uh, Randy Alcorn makes a good statement. He says, God enriches not to raise our standard of living, but our standard of giving. Um so that should right there be a key guiding principle. And again, it requires, though, that eternal perspective. Um, the next uh, principle, principle number four. Um, hang on here. I lost my place. God designed money 
to reveal worship. Um, I feel like yeah, five. Uh, yeah, but the one above is three. Yeah, it's a fifth one. <laughs> it's still the fifth one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So principle four of five. Um, <laughs> next principle. Next principle. <laughs> God designed money. But this is actually, I should stop chuckling because this is actually key. Um, God designed money to reveal worship. So going back to Matthew 6, 24 to 20 to 24. Now listen as I read this. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. Why? For where your treasure is, there will your heart also be also. And then it goes on. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. And then he says, you cannot serve God and mammon or money or possessions. Um, First of all, that idea of the lamp and the eyes, a lot of people wonder what he's talking about, but he, he's still talking about money. Uh, and it, it's speaking of what you gaze at. What, what do you, when you are alone and you're thinking, wh- wh- where does your mind go? Does it go toward God or does it go toward your next purchase or your next expansion or whatever it might be? Um, in, in America, we just always are thinking bigger, mm-hmm. right? Bigger, bigger, bigger. Um, but also notice the absoluteness of Christ's words when he says, no one can serve two masters. I am convinced that Americans pretty much believe that that's not true. They, 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 they really, right. yeah, they really believe I can do both. Um, but it is an absolute statement. It is a reflection of you and what you worship and what you love and what you delight in. So if you ever really want to do a simple thing, you want to do a basic inventory of your spiritual state, then all you got to do is look at how you spend your money. What is your motivation? Are you looking, in other words, for ways to enlarge your estate here, or are you looking for ways to give more to the kingdom? They both might look alike. You, the way you're, the way you look, deal with your money on the outside looks the same maybe, but it's the motivation that radically changes it. So, you know, Randy Alcorn actually gave a real practical uh, example of what he recommended and then gave a couple of stories. He said, figure out what you need to be able to live comfortably. He's like, just come up with that number. He's like, maybe it's 40,000, maybe it's 80, maybe it's 100. He's like, just come up with, not to live out of this world, but just, Live comfortably. You're gonna, your needs are there. He said, then commit to at least giving at least 10% to the Lord as while you're still not to that number. He says, but if God chooses to enrich you to the point, let, let's say you could do the cutoff at 80,000. So 10% would be 8,000 a year, right? Yeah. Good. I'm bad with math. <laughs> um, he's like, and then you start making 90 or 100,000. He's like, you still give that eight. And then you give the rest away too. So you get if you go to ninety thousand, now you're given eighteen thousand away. If you go to a hundred thousand, you now are giving away twenty eight thousand a year. He's like because your your mind is father enrich me, but not so that I might have more, but so that I might give more. That that's just radical in 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 a wonderful wonderful way. And when he said that, 
Kim and I committed to that. I, I'm like, I can do that. That that's reasonable. That's not unreasonable. So yeah. anyhow, no, that's good. So so in light of those basic concepts, then let us just give you some practical tips on this. So first of all, we recommend making your local church the focus of your giving. Amen. Um, you know, first of all, if it's a faithful church, it's going to be faithful with your money. I know we have an open book policy here. Yeah. I you, mean, you, anybody at any point can ask, where are these, where's this money going? How we'll do you, show you down to the penny, literally yeah. the penny. Yep. Um, second, if it is a faithful church, then the work will flow beyond the four walls of that church. So now what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, if, if you, I know what you if mean, I can but pluck some low hanging fruit here. I yeah. mean, if you start seeing, you know, rock climbing walls going up and the, Xbox. the yeah. And the light <laughs> shows keep getting fancier and fancier and, you know, just, just, it's just being spent on stuff to increase the experience of a Sunday morning or something like that. You know, I'm not convinced that, that there's true mission theology behind that. Right. I mean, that you can justify it, but I'm not convinced of it. Um, but if your money goes beyond the four walls and it's now going toward, and I have in mind specifically mission efforts yeah. and stuff like that, where the, the gospel is to be going out for the purpose of making disciples, well, now you're being faithful with your money. Right, right. So at our church, um, these are just examples. We, we designate 5% of our general funds to missions. So our own church actually is giving to missions. Yep. Just It just goes right into the missions account so that we can then go, you and I go travel mm-hmm. training pastors. Yep. We support some people. We have a lady in Cameroon who's doing this great ministry with children, training children, um, teaching churches how to teach their children, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so we have a missions fund, but then also whatever is given to the general offering, we swipe 5% of that yeah. and put it that on top of everything else right into missions. Fund. So we actually ask people, I mean, if you want to give above and beyond into the missions fund, we won't tell you no, <laughs> but understand if you put your money into the general fund, immediately 5% of whatever you gave goes directly into missions. Anyhow, you're still supporting it, it but the general fund is what we operate on. Right, so exactly. Help us. Yeah. Uh, further, we also are part of the SBC, Southern Baptist Convention. So a percentage of our annual budget as well is designated to the SBC and therefore the supporting of all the work taking place through the SBC. Um, further, because our church is not program-based, I I would say essentially just about every single dollar goes directly toward that Great Commission cause of making disciples and furthering the Great Commission in some way, which is the purpose of the church. Yeah. Um, in fact, a little pastoral story. Again, this is years and years ago, but a guy came to me. He's like, hey, I, I've got some money I want to give. And it's like, okay, great. Um, we need it. And he's like, but uh, I want to know w- uh, what fund I should give it to because I just don't want to give it to the church you know, and get wasted. I was so annoyed at him. And I said, then don't give us anything. Do me a favor, just don't. He was a little taken aback, and I was deeply offended. I said, do you really think that we're wasteful? I said, do you understand that, do you understand that, do you appreciate my preaching? Yeah. Do you appreciate the fact I meet with you and disciple you? Yeah. (laughs) I said, do you like it when you're able to sit and actually be comfortable because we have the air conditioner during the summer? Well, yeah. I said, where do you think that money comes from? I said, do you understand that you are literally allowing my children to eat? You're literally allowing my 
by me to not have to go and be distracted by making money elsewhere, I can devote myself specifically to the task of building this church up. I said, if, if that's not, if you think that's a waste of your money, then we don't want your money at all. I just said, literally, I don't want to see your money in the offering plate. He was bugged. He also didn't give. <laughs> I'm like, well, there you go. But, right. but you know what? I, I honestly don't regret it because it's like you, you've got to. I, I understood his background. It's he's seen churches waste their money. And, you know, and it's like, but you don't see that here. So just give to the general um, because we everything we do is toward that purpose of making disciples. A second practical uh, point, our common counsel would be when it comes to how much to give is this. So you're like, so, okay, so pastor, so how much should I give? Well, if 10% was required under the Mosaic law. Required. Yeah, that's required. Minimum, actually, 34. Right. But if let's just go with 10%, then we ought to at least meet that if we are under grace. If we're not under law, but we're under the grace, how much more should that be reflected in our giving? Somehow, in other words, in some people's mind, because, well, I'm not under the law, pastor, so I'm going to give less. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think you missed the point, bro. <laughs> There's a hard attitude there, though, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, so we recommend, actually, that when you're thinking about your giving, don't come up with a dollar amount, but come up with a percentage. Um, and it's simple. Your, your income will ebb and flow. So as your income goes up, you just simply will naturally increase your giving because it's based upon a percent. And if your income goes down, you decrease your dollar amount, but the percentage is still there. So it, it, it naturally follows you. But what happens if you go with a dollar amount is you haven't updated your giving. If you do like the automatic withdrawal, you haven't updated in three years, but you've increased your income by 40 grand right. and it's not being reflected. Um, and so inadvertently you start to withhold. Um, as you become more enriched, then you can gradually increase that percentage um, that that you want to give. And that goes back to the idea of, I, I actually am making even more money. I can give more. So we know of some who, as they became financially established later, determined the amount they need to live on, what we just talked about, and they put it and, and put into savings. Then they simply choose to give away the rest. How radical would it be for people right. to just think that way? Yeah. So a good place to begin is by giving 10% of your income to your local church and make it non-negotiable. Also, for the sake of your church, though, and I'm pleading with you um, pastorally, try to be regular in your giving. It's one of the great benefits of just nowadays you can do it electronically. Right. Um, many just get sick or they go on vacation and they miss a week. And as a result, they don't think of making that week up. Uh, yet the churches still have the same expenses, the same bills. And what happens is they start thinking like they're paying an admission fee rather than they're giving to the Lord. But electronic giving, it just it's consistent and it helps you be faithful. Uh, many will give weekly, biweekly, or monthly. I like weekly uh, because I get an email that reminds me a transaction has taken place, so it, it gives me that blessing of getting oh this much money has just gone out. I can pray, um, and I'm also able to increase for its special offerings, like we're doing that offering for the international missions, and so I can give above and beyond. Yeah. Um, so what the, so that's that's the regular giving, right? We, so we'd say at minimum, a good place to start is 10% to your local church. To your local church. Before you even think of any place else. Yeah. So so what then about 
nonprofits, things outside the church, or even special offerings that take place within the church. Again, my frame of reference is going to be our church. So at ours, we, we collect two offerings a year for the Southern Baptist Convention. We do Annie Armstrong uh, Easter offering, uh, which goes toward North American missions. Um, this is also a cooperative program, um, which funds seminaries to train men, sure. uh, disaster relief, stuff like that. Then they, then they have the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which is now the SBC's international missions. And they're, they're great works, uh, very much worthy of giving to. And so we do those two special offerings a year. Um, and by the way, we'd say here, if the elders of your church recommend certain efforts to give to, it's worth considering those and then praying over them. If, if they're good pastors, they've thoroughly checked out how the money uh, is being used and being used in that partnership. Yeah. Um, not, again, we're, we're supposing that you're in a church that actually is faithful with their income. If you can't trust your church to handle their funds, you should be looking for a new church, first of all, anyhow. But regardless, you're still expected to in, worship the Lord in your giving. So I don't care if you, well, I don't like the direction of churches. Well, you don't get to cut your money. You're, you're still called to give. Right. I, I always think of, MacArthur did this, uh, remember one Sunday, he pointed out the uh, woman who was a widow and she gave her last two cents worth, basically. And he praised her for it. And he, he's like, now you have to understand that Israel at that point was as corrupt as it's going to get. Right. And the and and the Pharisees and the money lenders, everybody else is just messing with that money. And yet he praised her still for giving, even though it was into that corrupt organiz organization, because it was still God's ordained place to be giving. And it was right for her to do it. And he honored her a lot. And I think a lot of times we have individuals who start to say, well, uh, I'll hold off, or I don't want to give. I don't like this direction, and it's like you can't, you can't do that. If you really can't, you should be looking elsewhere. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> also, we don't. This is a general statement, but we generally don't recommend giving to charity organizations or other nonprofits. It's not like it's evil necessarily if you do, but we've been around long enough. Well, uh, you actually work for a nonprofit. Yeah. At, at a high level. Yeah. Um, so, so we understand how these, these things work, and we also understand, therefore, how inefficient many of them are and how much they don't actually accomplish. You know, so many of them on the surface, they're worthy causes with very good mission statements, but the nature of the organizations and the administration there, the logistics, uh, the idea of mission creep, if you know what that is, uh, constant turnover of board members, directors, competing visions, power, all those kinds of things. They have a way of then diluting the effectiveness of a particular organization. Many organizations, as a result, end up existing for themselves, though that's not their intention. Um, and so we would say, you know, you want to poke into that a little bit yeah. to see how well your money is actually being used because you are still a steward of that dollar, even though you give it away. Um, so as a result, we would say, just simply stick with your local church to begin and make that your non-negotiable. If you desire to give to a special offering within the church or even an outside organization, again, we're just gonna counsel you to make certain that you're giving that above and beyond what you're already giving to your local church. In other words, don't rob Peter to pay Paul. Right, uh, good counsel though. Um, so let's bring this all home. The, the Christian understands that they've been given much in the gospel, hopefully. 
Um, they will they become eternally rich. They will inherit the kingdom. And yet that is the very thing that ought to motivate us. Again, God doesn't need our money. He already owns everything. Rather, giving is really about us. It reveals where our heart is, but it also gives us an opportunity to exercise faith in the God who supplies to us everything we have. Learning to develop, then, a heart of generosity is key, and it's something that models the very character of our Lord, who owes us nothing but literally gave everything. Everything. Um, Jim Elliott wrote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And if you know his story, you know how much he actually believed that. Um, Jesus spoke more about money, people don't realize that, than any other topic. And because it is the key marker of of the state of the heart, it literally reveals where you have placed your love. So think on these things. We do hope that some of this in some way has helped you, maybe provoked you or or convicted you uh, to give you a place then to start. Again, we were intentional in giving principles instead of uh, strict rules or numbers. These principles should be your guide. And as you dwell on them, let them inform the how, the what, and the why of your giving. And if you have any questions or concerns on that, please do write in. We can we can give it to you. The vast majority of you don't go to our church, so and you're certainly not buying our mugs. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're expensive, but not that expensive. Come on. But really, I mean, we'll give you counsel because we're not profiting from it. Um, if you want to clarify, uh, we've actually FaceTimed with listeners yeah. to give them some counsel. So don't be afraid. So next time, we're going to talk about another topic. But until then, make certain to continue to tune in, join the conversation. We want to hear your thoughts about this. And don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review on iTunes, connect with uh, Facebook or Instagram and Twitter. And as always, tell a friend.